0: I want us to begin something this morning that I've been kind of looking forward to, a little bit excited about. Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about some things that the Bible does not say. The Bible doesn't say that. Um, There are, uh, you and I have both grown up hearing statements that people just take as gospel, and the truth is, they're not in the gospel, they're not anywhere in the Bible. And we're going to look at some of those. And as we do, we're going to look at what the Bible does actually say about those issues. So this morning, I want us to start with uh, God helps those who help themselves. And to help us with that, we're going to be in Hezekiah 5.23. If you want to go ahead and look in your uh, scripture at Hezekiah 5.23, we'll be there in just a minute. But uh, God helps those who help themselves. Um, Turns out that uh, not only does the scripture not actually say that, but uh, it's hard to determine where that came from. Um, most people believe that it started with uh, Ben Franklin in poor Richard's almanac. But actually, if you go back farther than that, it looks like he got it from one of Aesop's fables, which means that this great statement that your grandma taught you Actually, comes from a fable about false gods that were worshipped and led by uh, worshipped and followed by the Greeks many many years ago. So there is a little bit of truth here that's important, and we're going to look at it. But then we're going to look at the fuller truth, what I've called the real truth, and we'll look at that in just a moment. All right, all right. Have you found Hezekiah five twenty three? It's not there. Neither is God helps those who help themselves. It's not there. By the way, 523 is my daughter's birthday, so y'all write that down and and remember to tell her happy birthday. Instead, let's look at Psalm 94, beginning at verse 17. Psalm 94, and we're going to begin at verse 17. I do want you to see that there is some truth, some truth, Two, God helps those who help themselves. But as we look at it, we're going to discover that there's not enough truth. Scripture doesn't say that. It says something even more important than that. To help us with that, we're going to eventually get to Psalm 94. If you want to go ahead and turn there, perhaps put a bookmark there, and we're going to get there in just a minute. The beliefs of Americans regarding this phrase and the Bible has been studied by the Christian um, demographer, am I saying that word? The guy who does the demographics, George Barna of the Barna Group. He studied what people believe about this statement and the Bible. He conducted a poll in which he asked about this very phrase. To the statement, the Bible teaches that God helps those who help themselves. To that statement, 53 of Americans agree strongly, 22 agree somewhat, 7 disagree somewhat, 14 disagree strongly. And then he looked at how many of those responding took for themselves the title born-again Christian. And he discovered that 68% of born-again Christians Agreed that the Bible teaches God helps those who help themselves. It even topped a poll that they did on what was the, what was the most widely known Bible verse. This was in one of the, the top responses to the best known Bible verse. 75% of American teenagers believe it is the central message of the Bible. Do you remember back when talk show hosts were actually funny? Do You remember back that long ago when every talk show host did actual comedy instead of politics? He wasn't always that funny, but do you remember Jay Leno? And he would do the, the jaywalking thing where he'd go out on the street and he would talk to people just spontaneously. And see what they thought and and how they responded. Jay Leno asked random people on the street one time to name one of the Ten Commandments. One of the most popular responses he got to that question was, God helps those who help themselves. You see, it talks about God and we see, we sense, we can tell there's some truth there. And so we have unfortunately mistaken it to be part of God's Word. And so I want us to look at it very carefully. I want us to start by considering the half truth, the half truth that is here. The the truth is, God does help those who help themselves, in that, God will lead you through life, but you have to be moving. If you just sit and quit, you can't expect God to lead. But as long as you're moving, God will lead you and direct you. So you do, in a sense, have to start helping yourself so that he then can help you. He will help, but you have to be doing something. For example, do you need a job? You can't just pray and expect God to do to, to cause an employer to call you up out of nowhere and beg you to come to work. If you need a job, you pray first and then you go look for a job. So there is some truth here. He does help those who help themselves. Matter of fact, he, he, in scripture, there we're even reminded to get up and do, to go, and to, to work for yourself, to help yourself. In 1 Thessalonians. We read, or 2 Thessalonians, we read, if anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. For we hear that some among you are leading an undisciplined life, doing no work at all, but acting like busybodies. Now, such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to work in quiet fashion and eat their own bread. So, yes, Scripture does teach help yourself. Get up and work, do something, and God will help you along the way. That's what we find in the New Testament. We go to the Old Testament, we find it a very similar teaching in different words. Go to the ant, O sluggard, observe her ways and be wise, which having no chief, officer, or ruler, prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. Now, this one is tough. How long will you lie down, O oh sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? He says, look at the ant. Who bosses the ant around? Who comes into the bedroom and says, Hey ant, it's time to get up now. You gotta get up, you gotta take a shower, you gotta get dressed, you gotta get to school. Who's doing that for the ant? And yet the ant gets up and takes care of her business. That's a real word, by the way. We live in Texas. She knows how to get up and take care of her business. And so the writer of the Proverbs says, how about you, O sluggard? When are you going to get up and take care of yours? So yes, Scripture does teach us that we, we need to work. We need to be involved. We need to, to take care of our own uh, responsibilities. That is true. And God will help you when you do those things. But you see, that's only half the truth. What I want us to do now is go to that passage in Psalms and let's look at the real truth. Now, we're in Psalm 94 at verse 17. If the Lord had not been my help, my soul would soon have dwelt in the abode of silence. In other words, if God had not been there to help me, I might as well have died. My life would be over. If I should say my foot has slipped, thy loving kindness, O Lord, will hold me up. When my anxious thoughts multiply within me. Is that ever you? Come on. My anxious thoughts multiply within me. We've been there. Listen. He says to the Lord, Thy consolations delight my soul. He says in 17, If you had not been there, Lord, my life would have been over. You see, he knew the one that he could turn to for help. And the psalmist also knows that God is still with him because in 18, 17 was past tense, 18 is present tense. If I should say my foot has slipped, I know that you're there for me. I know you'll take care of me. The end of verse 18, your loving kindness, O oh Lord, will hold me up. I know that you're here with me. And then 19, even, even if it's not my foot, my journeys here and there, The verse 18 was talking about while I'm take, going somewhere, if I slip, you'll be there. But verse 19 is not even the externals, it's the internals. Inside me, my thought processes get me all mixed up and confused and anxious. And even in those times, you console me and that consolation delights my soul. You see, the, the essence of Psalm 94 is that God helps the helpless Here the psalmist says, if it weren't for you, I'd be nowhere because you're the only one that could help me. And so the half-truth is that God helps those who help themselves. The real truth is that God helps those who can't help themselves. God helps the helpless. He brings hope to the hopeless. He brings strength to the powerless. Our God helps those who can't even help themselves. He helps us when we admit that we need Him. Hence, the first beatitude. Sermon on the Mount begins with the introduction to the sermon. The introduction is the beatitudes. The first of those beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The poor in spirit, those who recognize their own spiritual poverty, I need God. Until you recognize that you need God, you'll never find him. Without him, you'll never be a part of the kingdom. And so it says the poor in spirit are the ones who have the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because they've recognized their spiritual poverty. They recognize their need for God. The real truth is when I acknowledge I need him, he's there to help me. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses So that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Paul recognized that the way to experience God's help is to acknowledge our need for it. And so Paul says, I'm glad that I'm weak. Because when I'm weak, everyone gets to see the power of Christ working in me and through me. And that's always a good thing. We like this saying, by the way. God helps those who help themselves. We like this saying because we're the kind of people who do, we take pride in helping ourselves. God helps those who help themselves. It's a very American way of thinking. For that matter, it's a Texan way of thinking. We're going to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We're going to take care of ourselves. I've got this. I'm in control. I loved remembering when Ashley was very little. She, she would. I would try to say, I'm going to try to help her do this or help her do that. She'd say, no, i do myself. She didn't know there was an L in that word. i do myself. That's the way we handle life an awful lot. We, we kind of get puffed up. We kind of get a little arrogant. I got this. I do my Seth. And God says, you ain't got no self worth doing for. You, do, you trust me and I'll take care of it. I'll help you. Together we can do this. You see, it's not, it's not that God helps those who help themselves as much as it is that God helps us when we acknowledge our need for him you remember this guy Muhammad Ali I am the greatest he had it man he would be the kind that would say God helps those who help themselves I've got this I've got it under control God will help me because I'm gonna take care of things myself he would stand before that camera and shout to the world I'm the greatest Before Ali was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, he got on a plane for a trip. When the flight attendant told him to buckle his seatbelt, Ali said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. Without hesitation, the flight attendant replied, Superman don't need no airplane neither, buckle up. God helps those who can't help themselves instead of those who think we've got it all together. Let me show you a series of scriptures. We're going to go through this pretty quickly, but I want to show you what the Bible does say about God helping us. Psalm 46 and 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever present help in time. Of trouble, an ever-present. That means always there wherever you go. He's there. He is ever present in times of trouble. You don't ever have to wonder if he knows what you're going through, because he's going through it with you. He's there if you trust him. God is a refuge and a strength. He's an ever-present help in time of trouble. Go to the New Testament in the Hebrews, and God has said, never will I leave you, nor will I forsake you. So we say, that's what God says. God says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. That's what he says. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Because I know he is here, and he is my help. I know I'm going to be all right. God helps those who can't help themselves. There's a great old hymn that says, Stand up, stand up for Jesus. Stand in His strength alone. The arm of flesh will fail you. You dare not trust your own. We need Him and we depend on Him. We can rely on Him because He's an ever-present help. In time of trouble, Jeremiah said it this way. This is what the Lord says Cursed. Golly, what a hard word. Listen, cursed is the one who trusts in a man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. Why? Because he is the one in whom we trust. You go back to our text in Psalm 94 and the psalmist said, if it weren't for you, my soul would go to the place of silence. Why? Because no one else can be trusted fully and completely in every situation. No one else has the ability to help, to be a very present help in time of trouble every single time. No one else knows what I need, when I need it, and how it needs to come. He is the only one upon whom I can depend and trust in every situation. Cursed is the one who trusts in a man who draws strength from mere flesh, whose heart turns away from the Lord. Proverbs says it this way, those who trust in themselves are fools, but those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. I heard about a Christian businessman who was leaving for a two-week business trip. He prayed with his wife before he left. He prayed, Lord, please protect Sharon and the kids while I'm gone. After he finished, his wife looked at him and said with a smile, thanks for the prayer, but who do you think protects us while you're here? She understood, didn't she? She understood that God was with them and always was with them. Psalm 121, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Now think about that. Upon whom are you going to depend? Somebody you can see or the one who made everything you see? My help comes from the one who is the maker of heaven and earth. And if he can do all that, then he can handle all this. And I know that. He brings hope to the hopeless and help to the helpless, strength to the weak and rest to the weary. In Isaiah 25, it says, you have been a refuge for the poor, a refuge for the needy in their distress, a shelter from the storm and a shade From the heat, a very present help in those times of trouble. God helps those who trust Him. God helps those who can't help themselves. God helps those who depend on Him for that help. That brings us to what we've called this morning the greatest truth. We looked at the half-truth. Yes, God does help those who help themselves get up and do something. Then we looked at the real truth. And that is that God helps those who can't even help themselves, that we trust in Him as our helper. And then let's look at the greatest truth. Within that real truth, there is one greatest truth that stands out above all things. And that is the truth that God helps those who can't help themselves. And that truth was never more clear than on that old rugged cross. In Romans chapter 5 at verse 6, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, say that word powerless. What were we? When we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. You could not have gotten right with God on your own, regardless you could not have found a way to fix your sin problem and because you had a sin problem your destiny was separation from god for all eternity you were powerless in terms of salvation we were utterly helpless we're all infected by sin romans 3:23 we're all condemned as a result of that sin, Romans six twenty three. Nothing we do on our own can remedy that situation, Isaiah 64, 6. Thankfully, God is the helper of the helpless. While we are still sinners, Jesus died for us, Romans 5, 8. Jesus paid the penalty that we were incapable of paying, 2 Corinthians five twenty two, And God provided the help that we need precisely because we cannot, could not help ourselves. Philip Bliss wrote a great hymn called Man of Sorrows, What a Name. The third verse speaks of how helpless we are without Jesus. Guilty, vile, and helpless we. Spotless Lamb of God was He. Full atonement, can it be? Hallelujah what I say.